What's going on, folks? Ty from BreakerCulture.com. This is episode 34 of Breaker Culture Weekly, and we are super glad you're here today. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, this is one of those episodes where Shanine and I are in our element. We love to uh, break down products, talk about really how to make money, how to invest, some tips and tricks from the field, if you will. Um, and we spent some time doing that for a couple products, specifically NBA Hoops and Tops Update. Uh, we do spend a lot of time at the front end of this podcast digging into the NBA season. Uh, we love digesting and figuring out how to to invest and track NBA rookies. Um, and so we've been trying to give you more content around that. And so we spend a little more time, maybe about 25 minutes, talking through that stuff. So hopefully that's informative to you for those that are new to the NBA market or trying to crack into NBA. Uh, hopefully you walk away with a couple things that might help you, especially as Prism comes out next week. So some good timing there. Second half, we talk um, a little bit about Tops Update and Tops Update Chrome on the baseball side. Uh, Shani tells us uh, some tricks on how to help increase your chances of getting autographs out of blaster boxes, something that actually works, which is insane. I laughed at him so much when he told me that years ago, but it's consistently worked for him. But So listen to the second half for that. And then we uh, we spend about 20 minutes talking about what is wrong with the football market hobby these days because there is a lot wrong. I talked to numerous breakers and numerous you know massive rippers, and the football card market is just totally suffering right now. And uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, so we're going to spend some time breaking that down. We also have some thoughts on how you should respond to that. And then our third episode this week, we have three coming out this week. I know that's crazy. Um, we're going to give you some tips on how to actually invest in the football card market. Um, so we have some thoughts on that. So yeah, uh, a little bit more uh, in-depth, if you will, this week. Uh, a lot more analysis and commentary, but that's the way we like it. That's kind of what we started Break Your Culture and really what uh, what gets us excited about sports cards and, and helping you guys, the, the collector, become more informed. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, as always, hit us up breakerculture.com all of our social feeds twitter instagram facebook are at breakerculture find us there let us know what you think and uh we love to connect with you enjoy the show shani what's going on man how you doing i'm doing well ty how you been good been well been uh getting over some sickness i think you were going through some too but yeah, I think between us we had everything covered. You had the upper respiratory thing going on. I had the GI thing going on, and we're we're an FDA think, uh, specimen. <laughs> we're we're a CDC warning in the making. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's been miserable. But the good thing is when you have a lot of kids, the the sickness is hanging around the house for like three weeks. So yeah, isn't that great? That's just awesome. <laughs> I love when they start a new grade and they have a whole new cesspool. Of, Oh, and bacteria and bugs to pick up and bring home and slather all over the walls. Yeah, that's right. That's why I don't move them upgrades. I got to stay in the same one for a couple <laughs> years. <laughs> I thought you just had a schoolhouse in the back. Yeah, you know what? It's getting to that point. Little house in the prairie style. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, although we're sick and we're important to this hobby, obviously, products keep coming out. And we haven't done a good job because we've been away for a week and a half. And a yeah. lot's happening. A lot has happened. Yeah. So we're, we're going to cover a lot today. Um, I think we'll save the football stuff. We're going to talk about how we can save the the uh, football hobby at the end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's talk about NBA first. 
It's been uh what three weeks since the season kicked off. Um, I have plenty of thoughts. I threw a post out there, but what uh, what are your quick thoughts so far? My quick thoughts. I've watched more early season basketball than I think I ever have. And that's in large part because of some of the rookies that I want to see how they do. Yep. Um, especially Doncic. Not that the Celtics have an exciting rookie to follow, but in general, as a Celtics fan, I'm watching them. Half their games, or at least nearly half of their games, are nationally televised this year, which, which is, is crazy. Really cool. Which is crazy. It is crazy, but it's awesome. I mean, to and and if you're not a Celtics fan, I guess it might not be as awesome as I think it is. But at least they're playing somebody, so you get to see that team as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, you know, typically, I don't get into basketball till later in the season when both uh, football kind of dies down a bit. And the excitement of the season post-All-Star break kind of starts to pick up. But this year is a little different. I think the excitement of how the season ended last year in general, but also especially for the Celtics, and the excitement of some of the rookies, like I already mentioned, has got me really into it. I imagine doing this as well, the podcast and talking to you as another basketball fan um, and having the opportunity to kind of – get that flowing in the conversation that you and I have <clears throat> has had an impact on it. Um, For sure. It's definitely, it's definitely exciting. I've definitely yeah. been pumped about the season. What are your thoughts? Well, so it's funny on, on your point there real quick. I think it's interesting how just the success and the momentum of prism silvers, for instance, I think that's generated just a lot more interest in people watching college basketball and watching rookies. Yeah. Like you already hear people saying, Wow, I can't wait till next year when Zion Williamson has his Prism Silver. You're like, what? No, that's, <laughs> that shouldn't be happening. But that's I just have to say though. <laughs> have you watched any of Duke this early yet? Oh, those guys are ridiculous. RJ oh, Barrett. And those, uh, like, I think they would beat a third of NBA teams right now. <laughs> serious, I mean, I remember back in the days of the UNLV running Rebs with Larry Johnson, Grandma and mm -hmm. Stacy Ogman and Moses Scurry screaming with every rebound. People talked about them beating an NBA team, which is not going to happen. But nonetheless, yeah, the, you know, it's still a fun conversation. But oh my, I'll I'll say this: they're all good. Those three, the the three freshmen that Duke is starting. Mm -hmm. I, I so I'm not saying this to disparage anybody, but I don't really see how anybody is better than Zion Williamson. Well, his RJ Barrett's better than <laughs> Zion Williamson. I, I that that's what I'm trying to say. I recognize that the rankings of both la this past year coming into this season as freshmen and throughout the past couple of high school seasons that RJ Barrett was ranked higher, but I don't see it. That's what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Zion Williamson looks to me and and I'm also looking at it with an eye on how things will translate to the NBA. Zion Williamson is that big and stacked and strong as an 18-year-old. He's got a body like LeBron did at 18, and he's going to get bigger and stronger. That's what I'm trying to say. So projecting for the NBA, as you just said, people watching college ball and kind of projecting out and getting excited, oh, I can't wait for these guys and have to have silvers. Zion is the one, in my opinion. Totally disagree. 
Yeah. Totally true. Yep. Yep. So the thing, the thing that people were getting excited about Zion Williamson, and trust me, I'm a fan of him. I think he's like, he's going to be an incredible college player. There's no way he's going to go stuff a block back in somebody's face like he's been doing to guys like Anthony Davis or Donovan Mitchell who are driving down the lane. Different world. Yeah, and I guess totally different world. The translation of, and this is a, probably a conversation we want to have in a more organized fashion in the future, and we can we can discuss that amongst ourselves. We're never plans. organized. Let's yeah, face yeah. it. <laughs> but the, but it's an interesting it, the, it, the importance of what you just said, and the and, and what it lends to, and in terms of conversation for our listening audience is, you know, what does translate well quickly when you watch a kid play in college, and what skill sets kind of take some time to develop. I think offensively he has a chance to really, and I think for a guy like him and for a lot of guys that play in a big man kind of role, their offensive skills will translate and defense takes a while. The timing to block a shot, the timing to defend a guy, whether it's another big like Anthony Davis or a just super fast point guard like Donovan Mitchell to use your examples takes a lot to I don't know about a lot of time but significantly more time so a guy like Williamson coming from the college ranks will as you you said it I mean you're absolutely right he'll struggle in that sense um but what is it about RJ Barrett that makes you feel that he's so significantly better than Zion. Well, so the thing is, look, they're both they're both six seven, and I feel like between six six and six nine, it's kind of that you're at that height, no man's land. You have to you have to be really good at something. Um, you have to, I mean, because you're not you're not big enough to be a true power forward center in the NBA, right? Uh, and you're not quick enough usually to be a guard. Uh, the thing with RJ Barrett is he is just naturally gifted at scoring. I mean, he's shooting what forty percent three pointers, fifty percent from the field. For a guy six seven, two hundred, I mean, the, I mean, the dude's I mean, averaging twenty eight already. And look, Zion is averaging what twenty five a game too. They're really yeah, played anybody. Really, but the way the way they score is totally different. Right. Muscling people around the rim doesn't translate like it does from college NBA. But like being able to create a shot hit from downtown, create off the dribble. Like that stuff translates very well in the NBA. I, I actually agree with you in, in a general sense. I do think You, you that, say that like you're surprised. Do you agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, but I don't think that you're necessarily seeing Zion's creativity because he doesn't have to play that role for this team and his ability to put the ball on the floor and create for himself and for others. Um, he's playing a role that he's going to have such a blast being able to play because he's got much less responsibility and all the fun and reward. But ultimately, it's a moot point. We're sitting here watching the first couple weeks of the college season at the same time that we're watching the first couple weeks of the pro season. Yep. They're both going to be top five draft picks. Easy, yep. It wouldn't. It really wouldn't shock me one bit if the three Duke kids go one, two, three. Yeah, and the third is Cam Reddish. And right. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty crazy to think about. It really is. And the yeah. thing that I love about Zion is the kid is like contagious with his excitement oh. for the game. 
Like, yeah, you just want to like root for the kid. Yep. And that's pretty fun. It's really fun. But, but anyway, back to this season, NBA rookies, a couple thoughts and you can, you can give me your ideas or your thoughts or reactions to it. But I agree. Doncic as advertised, dude's been a stud, does not look outclassed. Looks like he belongs, which is crazy for how young he is. Aiden fitting in really nicely. Yeah. Like the, the fact guy, that Aiden can go over both shoulders without even yep. you can't it, without an without a trained eye like a scout, you wouldn't be able to tell what, if he's a righty or a lefty. Yeah, you're right. It's he, impressive. He's a very mature yeah. uh, centerpiece of an offense. Yeah, and it's that's I mean that's really impressive, and the fact that he's going to get so much better is going to be really fun to watch. Um. Trey Young, I mean, you and I were both pretty skeptical. I watched him a lot in college. I was really unclear if it was going to work, but the dude is – So this is this is up. the interesting thing, and we kind of talked about it a little bit, but we didn't get a chance to go too deep until now. Um, he's definitely, definitely exceeding my expectations. That said, I do think that a lot of his stats are a bit hollow coming in garbage time and also that watching him he he has an ability to create for himself that i really i saw it in college i just didn't think it would translate and i'm really truly honestly shocked that it's translating as well as it is for him um but what i'm not seeing as much is him being able to be a, a truer point guard He's such a shoot first kind of guy. Now he has great vision. I'm not saying he doesn't have that point guard uh, ability. Uh, you know th- that it's not there at all. I'm just not seeing translate when I watch. I'm seeing like a couple of great passes a game, but you know there are point guards out there that you know, man, he's gonna rack up double digit assists unless they key in on the other guys, and then he's just gonna score at will. Um, granted he's only a rookie, so what can you really expect? So, um, and I already said he's exceeding my expectations, but man, through 13 games. Yeah. Doncic is averaging 20 points and four and a half assists a game. Trey young, 18 and a half points and eight assists a game. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, I actually, <laughs> it's shocking. It really is. It's not shocking that Doncic is doing what he's doing. I'm really not surprised at all. And I, I, just before we add Trey Young back into the conversation, and I have to say this about Doncic, I have been somewhat surprised that the Mavericks are already at the point, especially I, – I, I can't believe his name is escaping me right now, but help me out with the Mavericks coach. Oh, jeez. Who is the Mavericks coach? Oh, my God. It'll come to us. <laughs> He's not the kind of guy that tends to put a lot of um, faith. Carlisle. Is it Carlisle? It is Carlisle. Carlisle, yes. Known for being a bit of a hard-nosed guy. Definitely not known for being a quote-unquote players type of coach. You know, he's not a buddy to the guys that he coaches. He's definitely hard on them. He's the kind of guy that yells a lot. He's the kind of guy that's even harder on his rookies. They're already scheming for Doncic late in the game Mm -hmm. and even to the extent that he's taking a lot of 
end of game last minute last second shots i should say yeah that's that's nuts and he's making them he and made that a game tying shot against the lakers yep. it was pretty impressive yep. i'm such a believer i it sickens me that he's as expensive as he is cuz i so badly want a couple of things but man if you if you are lucky enough you got to grab him up now cuz it's not going down no he's not he, and sure. it's not going to go. And he's not the kind of guy that's going to go down in the offseason either. By the way, yeah. it's never getting cheap. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of the international market, and especially him having countries behind him. You know what's funny though is like as he does better, Dennis Smith's value continue to drop. <laughs> it's like he directly yeah. impacts on the negative side, Dennis Smith. But and yeah, that, that is kind of awkward. I feel like they're going to have to trade Dennis Smith. Well, I mean, it's not like they play the same role, and I'm a little bit surprised when I watch, and maybe you can help me understand it, why J.J. Barea is logging so many minutes. Have they lost faith in Dennis Smith? Because Dennis Smith doesn't play D at all. I mean, J.J. Barea tries to play D, so maybe that is like a Carlisle thing at least – He's, but he can't play D in this league. JJ, there's not another point guard in this league that JJ Barea can guard. But it, I guess Carlisle's attitude is at least he tries. Uh, he'll take a, he'll take two or three charges a, a, a game, or at least I should say he'll attempt to take two or three charges a game, and he'll get one or two called. It's mercy call, yeah, and I agree. Uh, JJ Barea, I think you're you're underrating. Oh my he's, god. He's he's a better all-around player right now than Dennis Smith Jr. Well, I would I wouldn't disagree with that because what I would say about his game is that he's crafty and he's a grizzled veteran and he knows how to flop. Sure. All those South American players flop like geniuses. Ginobili teaches clinics in the offseason on how to flop. <laughs> uh um, mo- moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's just talk about a couple more rookies. Uh, surprise rookies to me. Yeah, I don't think anyone would disagree with this. Alonzo Trier. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's gonna be a steal. Yep. For those that can still snag him, uh, and this is this is very timely. I have uh, you know Prism coming out next week, and the Silvers are gonna be crashing the market. There's some players that you're gonna want to start buying into. I love Alonzo Trier. I love the fact that he can score so easily in this league. Um. I can't believe it to be honest with you. It's it's pretty impressive. It's 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 almost the antithesis of Kevin Knox. Or and I'll give Knox a little bit of benefit of the doubt. He's been hurt for four or five games there, that ankle injury, but he's just struggling getting baskets. He'll he'll affect the game on the other end, but a a trier can just score. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Other guy. I mean, I think I do think in large part, by the mm-hmm. way, the mm-hmm. reason we didn't know about him. Is because he was coming out of Arizona where Aiton took all of the headlines. Right. Yep. So. Well, and to his discredit, he Alonzo Trier, like in college, would disappear late in games, especially in March Madness, two years in a row. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other guy a, I like. A Kogi? No. That's, so, that's a good one, though. Um, Wendell Carter. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we we mentioned him early on in our podcast a month ago, uh, but he really has. 
he to me is the guy of anybody right now. If I'm looking at guy I want to invest in with sub, like substantial upside, that's the guy I'm going after. Well, we don't know how he's going to come out. I mean, when we tiered him, we had him. I, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I thought we both had him kind of towards the higher end of the second tier. Yeah. So he's going to cost, you know, what we think he's going to go for is around, you know, the higher end of 100 or slightly over 100. Is that correct? Correct. We had him as number seven on our list, and we we projected him at release to be somewhere around 150 to 175. Right. So if that's the case, it's still upside relative to what I think you and I both think he can become as a starter in this league. Um, and it's definitely upside relative to the guys that are on that list above him, like a Doncic or a Trey Young, where your margin for growth at the prices you're going to have to pay to get them is going to be hard to realize. True, and and I think we we overpriced him a bit. I I do too. I think actually. he ends up I, probably closer to fit, uh, maybe eighty to hundred. Be my guess. You might be right. I mean, Chicago has a lot of followers. It's a big city and it's a basketball city. Um, so who knows? I mean, it depends on how he's playing for these next few weeks before Prism comes out. And for any, for all indications, uh, he's doing well. I mean, like you said, I, I can see it. I can see it going up. Um, I don't think it'll exceed the potential of like that 150 where we originally slated him, but I do think that, that could be high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've discussed in the past, things can be so volatile on a daily basis. I think with a guy like him, if he goes out and has a great game, that night in the next couple of days, prisms are gonna his silvers are gonna go nuts. Mm-hmm. If he has a couple of weak games, or even if he has a week where he only has two games in that given week, around when prism drops. I think that'll affect all of these guys, yep. but especially guys like him. It's There are guys that are not going to be affected by their play or by the market in general. That's We know that. That's Doncic. That's Aiton. That's Trae Young. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I actually am really high on Wendell Carter. And being that they've got some injuries in Chicago and they've got some you know significant flux going on with their starting lineups and guys in and out – I, I actually think he's one of the guys that's really anchoring the team right now. Yeah, for sure. And he, he has moments where he he shows his immaturity. He's young, just like any of these rookies. Right. But his athleticism and his ability to impact the game is really fun. A um, couple of things, real quick. If you for the the this we're referencing this this chart that we put together. I'll throw the link in our show notes. Uh, we we put our thoughts on rankings going into the season and prison prices our top five Doncic, Aiton, Trey Young, Jaron Jackson and Marvin Bagley outside of Marvin Bagley they all look pretty good 100% Jaron Jackson I would even say is exceeding expectations a bit yeah agreed yeah agreed Uh, speaking of that so there's three guys that stood out to me as not living up to expectations so far Okay. Number one was uh, Bagley. Look, he's got stats. In, in fact, his stats are 12, 12 points and 5.8 boards. Um, the thing with him is 
I just don't think there's a ton of upside. We talked about it long before the draft even when we couldn't understand why he was being discussed as a potential number one or even a top three because he's such a tweener. Yep. Um, He's such a Zion Williamson. It's funny. Well, I was just going to say it's funny that we talked about that relative to – and don't you think if we went back over the last 25 years – how many tweeners has Duke produced that ended up struggling in the pros? <laughs> There's so many. I, I agree. I also think that, again, another point we made back then that is worth being repeated now is that it's the Kings, and it's a team that happens to have a, just a glut of all same players. Right. Like, how many guys do they have that just play that same role? Yeah. There's only so many minutes and so many balls to go around for the same player. Yeah. And there's a couple guys that are doing well ahead of them. I mean, De'Aaron Fox is finally looking like the guy we wanted to see last year. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's exciting. I'm 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 actually really excited to see that. I wish I had bought more of him nah, me too. when he was doing poorly and his prices were low. I did I did invest. I did go out and buy some. Like I said, I just wish I had more. Yeah. Um I went nuts with Buddy Heald. I was such a big fan of him coming out of Oklahoma. And I I I see more potential for him, although it's still not really there. But I think I think the Aaron may just be the guy to get his juices flowing. At least I hope so, because I put I put a lot of money into Heald. He, he was such a nice college player. He was a uh, he was the poor man's version of Jim Verdette, <laughs> <laughs> who put up seventy five the other night. Did you see that? I I I read it. I didn't see it. Yeah, crazy. No, it was impressive. Okay, second guy that uh, concerns me is Harry Giles. I know he was a rookie, quote, rookie last year. His true rookie year is going to be this season. And this guy can't do anything. He's averaging less than four points a game. He's shooting like 35%. Um, his silver prices heading into the year were just steadily increasing, I think, from 10 to basically 25, maybe even hit 30. There's no way. I, I can't believe it, to be honest with you. It's so shocking. Yeah. Not only was he good in Kentucky, but you heard a lot about him coming out of high school. He was uh, really high ranked coming out of his high school class that was a really good high school class. Jason Tatum interviewed with Simmons and said that back then coming out of high school into college, everyone would have told you that if asked, Giles was number one on their list. He still works out with Tatum in the offseason. I just wonder to what extent it's health and to what extent it's uh, between the ears. You know, obviously those are the two primary things you're going to think about with a guy like this when something like this happens. Um, I fear for anybody that has to play in Sacramento that they just lose the passion for the game. Um, And that's sad. You know, it's you're making you've got an opportunity to make all this money playing a game. And you lose passion for it. I can't relate to it, but you know, you you do hear stories like that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I think maybe that does impact him. I don't know what it is, but it's not working right now. I know he has the talent, but it's just not translating. <clears throat> the third guy that I put on there, and I'm kind of doubting 
me putting it on there, especially after the last two games and he looked really good, is Mo Bamba. Oh, I wouldn't have him on there. He The last couple games, he's actually looked pretty good. The thing with him that's – and I've watched a couple of his games in its entirety. He just is not a good scorer. It doesn't look natural. He, he has a hard time scoring points. So when he gets 12 to 15 points, you feel like it was he was kind of lucky to get that. At least that's that was my takeaway from watching him a couple times. And his atrocious 30% free throw shooting. <laughs> yeah. I, I I hear you, and and I don't think you're making any invalid points. I think, though, what you're not saying, and I think you probably agree, is at the same time when you do watch him, you're just your jaw drops at his athleticism and his potential, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I, in college I it looked overwhelming, and I saw him in person play. But oh, he doesn't did. doesn't look as overwhelming uh, in Kansas when they play Kansas. Yep. Okay. In Kansas City. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I. You're right. I don't. I don't think he's somebody that I would not be. He's not somebody I would maybe be investing in, but I wouldn't be selling on him yet. Well, I think in these next couple of weeks, if it continues, we're going to see his prices potentially go down and his silvers might hit the market at a low. Yep. So it might actually be an investment. True. The mar- the potential upside might really be great. I mean, these are the kind of guys you have to be looking for when prison releases because you know there's going to be such a premium for these silvers. Um, I mean, Grant, th- those first couple days, uh, you're going to be overpaying for everybody. Yeah. The trick is going to be can you can you identify the guy that's potentially having a lull and prices are hurting that you know long term is going to be better. Mm-hmm. So that might be a bomba. I don't know. I'm not definitely not saying I know how to predict this. <clears throat> it's a tough one. I I think he translates into a John Collins. Like that's, that's pretty good. You know, and I think him he John Collins opened at 52 and as of the beginning of October was about 27. And probably right now, I would guess he's probably near 30, 35. Um, that's where I kind of see Bamba ending up. To what extent do you put that on the franchise? Meaning, is there not a ceiling for any guy that's an Atlanta Hawk? Is there not a ceiling for any guy that plays for a certain number of franchises that just they just have a limit? Yeah, I think that definitely plays into it. It plays into it in every sport, you know. Yeah. I mean, if so, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at the Houston Astros, for instance, right? I mean, you got guys on that team that you'd argue are they, they, you'd argue they have three of the top twenty players in majors in the majors, right. and they hold almost fractions of the value of some of the other players. Right. It's so weird because Houston's a big city. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a top five or at least a top ten market? Top five. Top five, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. Yep. That, blows, that blows my mind. How can a top five market struggle because of a team? But you're right. I think not only were they so bad for so long, but they've also changed leagues. 
you know, I think there's a lot of things that have gone on with the Astros, particularly that have affected them as a franchise and then the collectability of those guys. But Sure. Very true. Yeah. Um, all right. So Hoops came out a week and a half ago. Donruss is out now. Yeah. Um, and then we have what? Certified coming out this week? Certified in a couple of days. Yeah. What's a new, new product? New, never done. Well, I, I think that's correct. In the past, we've had totally certified, which is a product that I'm happy to no see going away. Yeah. Yep. I know some people loved it, which I could never understand, but I, I never liked it. I thought it was garbage, to be honest with you. And I'm not the biggest fan of certified, but I think it's a welcome change and they can potentially do better with it versus totally certified. Yep. Agreed. Totally um, yeah. Hoops. Thoughts? Maybe. Yeah. So kind of an afterthought in years past, other than the fact that it's the first release and it just gets your juices flowing. Um, I like it this year. What do, you, kinda, what do you like about so it? So there's a couple of insert sets that I just like the look of. I don't know that there's going to be a lot of long-term value, but the We Got Next rookie insert I think is sweet. The fact that there are particular inserts that have a foil parallel on slightly thicker cardstock and obviously the shininess that goes with it. Um, uh, sorry, I'm drawing a blank, but there were a couple of things. Oh, the so there's a couple of different auto subsets. They're obviously all stickers, so there's no way around that. Yep. But there's one particular, the, the one that kind of looks like a bit of a checkerboard prism thing going on with it. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that looks good. So, yeah, I, I, I just think over and, and just in general, the last thing I'll say is just the base look of it, both in terms of the base card mm -hmm. and the look of the not every single insert subset, but most of them mm -hmm. I just like. And in contrast to Donruss, which is where we are right now in the midst of, um, in the past, I would have told you almost every single year that Donruss has been out, which is only about four or five years, by yep. the way. Yep. Um, I would have always taken Donruss over hoops. And I, I think I'm ready to say that this year is different. The only thing that gives Donruss an edge that cannot be overcome by hoops is the fact that you've got those next day on card autos that carry pretty significant value because you only get one to two, max three per case. Um, I've seen cases with zero, by the way, and I've seen cases with three. But the bottom line is those those have pretty significant early season value. Hoops doesn't really have a, 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 an auto subset or anything like that that's either on card or that really carries significant value like those do. But overall, I'm a hoops guy this year. So I'm with you, man, 100%. Like usually I'm I'm kind of the same way where I think Donruss is the one that sticks out to me as the more interesting product to collect and one that I personally want to add to my collection. But this year I think – I think hoops did what it needed to do. There are a couple of things that I don't like. Like I don't like seeing, um, you know, Leonard and, and LeBron and their old uniforms. Yeah. Like, it, just it, a, it, I get yeah. it. It's just, it is what it is. You can't fix that. Um, I do think they probably had time, but they just didn't get it done. Um, I don't, the, the collation was, is absolutely terrible with hoops. 
and I and I opened various blaster cases, retail cases, cello cases, and I've talked to other collectors who opened multiple cases, and they all struggle with the same thing. You you had a hard time completing insert sets, even after opening multiple cases, which for a product like hoops, which is pretty much set driven, is not cool. I've always wondered if that is a conscious decision made by Panini when it comes to retail specifically to encourage you that if you like this product that you've bought in the retail setting that to round it out, you've got to go buy some hobby as well. (laughs) Um, I mean, it wouldn't be an unwise strategy on some level. Maybe. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I've recognized the same thing, not just this year, but in years past. And uh, as I've put different – I've never really been the biggest set builder kind of guy. But when I see a subset that I like, like the We Got Game rookie subset, there's actually like three or four different rookie subsets that – a couple of which I like and I'm trying to build. And I'm noticing like I'm getting multiples of certain guys, even some of the bigger names. Mm-hmm. But then other guys – some of whom are kind of the afterthought type of rookies. Yeah. I, I haven't found one of. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. It definitely felt that way. But I agree, man. Some of the insert sets of hoops, like Faces of the Future is really Love cool. Uh, yeah. The class of 2018. Love it. Freaking sweet. And the hollow yeah. versions are awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Did I, you get a hollow version of MPJ out of that one? I got... I basically got everything I wanted out of okay. hoops for for um, Michael Porter Jr. And the, the, my favorite parallel, <clears throat> really, in the last few years out of a, a flagship product, <clears throat> Teal Explosions. Oh, love them. Love them. And you I, actually like the teal more than the orange just because of the color? Well, I mean, or, yeah, of course. I Orange Orange are great because they're number 25. They're harder to get. Out of a cello case, you're going to get no more than three. Usually you're going to get one or two. So they're really, really hard to get. Right. So the teal explosions, we're going to walk away out of a case with 60 of them. Uh, And they're just awesome, man. They're just really cool looking cards. And it made made me think, you know what? I want to find these cards for the players I collect. Yeah. I I haven't said that in a while. 100%. Oh, yeah. I agree. I actually started doing that with the explosions. Huh. Is it last year that they started? Or they, I think, I think this is the third year for those in retail. Pretty sure. Yeah. Um, they didn't look that cool last year to me. I don't know what it was. Is it, is it, I don't know. Yeah. I think they look pretty close to the same if I remember, but it doesn't matter because for you, if it looks different, you know, but here's the thing that I'm interested to see is whether or not, there's a recognition in terms of value in the secondary market for those because they should be obviously with the ones that are numbered out of 25, but the teals, even though you get 60 in a case, they're still relatively limited and they're still retail only. I'm right about that. Correct. They are retail only. They are. They're, they're retail only and they're cello, cello pack only. If it's a fat pack only. Right. Yeah. That's the only way right. If you buy the thinner packs that come out of the gravity feeds, you'll get teal and orange and orange is also numbered out of 25. And actually the difference in the teal is that they're numbered out of 49. Correct. But in the gravity feed boxes, neither of them have that explosion 
3D looking coolness. Well, that and they're printed on a thicker right. kind of holographic cardstock, like right. really quality cardstock, which and people have already said this, this year's NBA hoops feels like it's printed on a, a kind of a thinner paper. It does. Uh, car stock. So they, they feel cheap. And then you pick up one of those teal explosions. And you're like, holy crap, this is nice. This is refreshing. So. And by the way, the, the hollow foil versions of any of those inserts are really sweet. Mm -hmm. Not just the teal and orange explosions, but as you mentioned, the faces of the future, the week. Uh, actually, I don't think I've seen them for We Got Next. Do they have those for the We Got Next inserts? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think that so. that that's a hobby exclusive, right? The We Got Next is a hobby yeah, exclusive. Yeah, so I, 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 didn't, I don't have any of those. Yeah, they're pretty sweet. They just yeah. have a basically. Have you seen them? You know what I'm talking. Oh, they're about? awesome. Yeah, it's like up against okay. a fence or something, right, or a brick wall or something. I'll like have that. to send you a couple of Michael Porter Jr. because I have about seven or eight. Oh, nice. So I'll send you a couple of those. That'd be good. They, they, those are definitely better than last year's. Last year's we got next for this. Yeah. I, I, so that's the thing, I think, in hoops in years past, it would have been a good year if there, if there was one insert subset or rookie subset that I said I liked. And this year there's several. There's a handful. Yeah. Um, relative to now Don Russ bridging that gap, not only does the base card look just blah. I'm not going to say it's ugly. It's just boring. Mm -hmm. But there are subsets that I, I honestly think they've ruined. I, and I've said this before, I've said this to you privately, Court Kings, both the subset when you find it in Don Rush products across all sports or the Court King standalone product for basketball it's just one of my favorites. I love it. There's a little bit of a cult following out there. I know I'm not the only one. Sure. Um, it's got that artistic kind of painted look to it. It's got they're all, they're almost always on like a canvas cardstock, so it's yep. got that textured feel to it. They completely ruined that this year, in my opinion. The, the I don't know what that look is. I don't know if they took it from an 80s or 90 early 90s design mm -hmm. i don't it doesn't look familiar to me it i don't know what to say man i just think it looks really bad hmm. have you seen it no i haven't i, I mean i'll I'm be very at, interested yeah. when you actually if you're in front of your computer and you can pull it up on ebay you'll be able to see it just court you know 1819 donruss court kings insert you'll see it it looks nothing like court kings inserts of the past and i just I, uh, ruined Oh, yeah. you're right. That is awful. That is awful. Yeah. So, wow. and, and, you know, the, I, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. The next day autos have a lot of value and look good. And obviously the fact that they're on card, that's great. So that boosts the product. The Dominator um, kind of foil checkerboard auto subset looks pretty cool um i think the the couple of subset the a couple of the auto subsets that have relics yeah look pretty weak the, the, honestly they look pretty bad in my opinion yeah um so it's you know it, it's it's kind of got its pros and cons like any product but again if i'm making a choice between the two i'm kind of going hoops 
for what I like, I'm only leaning towards Don Russ to try to get some of those next day autos in a break. There you go. That's a good way to break it down. Doncic, uh, next day autos, three of sold. Seven fifty, six fifty, and eight hundred. Yeah. That's about right. Craziness. All right. Even even by the way, yeah. if you take a look at rookies in general, mm-hmm. there aren't many of those of even lower end rookies that aren't going for a decent chunk of change. You know? I mean, I'm not saying that twenty twenty five is a pittance when you're talking about a late second rounder, you know, that's, that's a decent chunk of change for a late second rounder, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. I would totally agree for sure. I mean, yeah, you're looking at, you look at guys like laundry, Landry Shamit, um, Hamadou Diallo, even Javon Carter, who doesn't even yeah. play and you're getting at least 20 bucks. Yeah. Wow. Cool. All right, man. Take cool. a quick break and let's uh, let's talk about football. All right, I admit that was a lot of NBA content there. Thanks for staying with us. Uh, second half should be uh, a little different, equally as entertaining though. But if you are dozing off, you need to get yourself some coffee, and you know what I think about coffee. I believe in fresh roasted, incredibly tasting. natural coffee. And the only coffee that I can recommend to you with 100% conviction is Dubs Coffee. D-U-B-B-S coffee.com. They roast every single bag to order for you. Um, They use only naturally sourced coffee, most of it USDA organic. They have an incredible holiday roast that's only available, I think, from November to January. Um, one of my favorite coffees of the year. Um, look, guys, you order two days later, it's basically on your doorstep, and it was just roasted. Um, you order two bags for twenty-four bucks, you get you get it free two-day shipping. It's it's an incredible deal. Um, really, really good stuff. The second you open that box, you're going to be impressed with how good it smells, and more impressed with how good it tastes. So give it a try. Dubscoffee.com. Use code BreakerCulture for 25% off of your first order. Um, that's on top of their already great pricing and their incredible deal when you buy two or more bags. So check it out, dubscoffee.com. Let's go talk some baseball and football cards. See ya. All right, so let, let's touch on Tops Chrome update real quick. You know I love Tops update. I think it's one of the top three releases of the year in baseball. Even now, I think people should be buying Tops Update. You've been all over Tops Chrome Update. I haven't been able to get any here in Kansas City. Why do you like it so much? Um, because I've been damn lucky. <laughs> yeah, you pulled an Otani orange. We get it. So let me, dude, stealing my thunder. I want to tell the world. All right, go ahead, tell the world. I pulled an Otani orange auto. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> so I've bought, and and in fair in all fairness, I, I I don't know that it's appropriate to say I've gone overboard with it. I really I've been torn across all these different releases between Topps Chrome Update, Prism Football, obviously what we've just discussed in hoops basketball. 
So I've kind of spread the love, um, although it might have been smarter to just dump it all into Chrome Update. Now, I think it's very hit or miss, by the way, um, and my results are not very indicative. I kind of, at least I think, learned a quick lesson in that the hanger packs were no good. So I may be wrong. There may be hits galore in those hanger packs, but I opened a few. I didn't even get a single refractor other than the two pinks that come in that special extra pack. Wow. So I just stopped and I focused on the mega boxes. The mega boxes are pretty much just blasters in a slightly larger box. It's seven packs. It's all Chrome. It's obviously the limited update uh, checklist. Mm -hmm. When I say limited, I mean, it's a short checklist, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and autos, I, I may be wrong. I, Definitely have never taken the time to memorize odds in the past, but when you consider that it's one in 49 packs to get an auto, that's one in seven blasters. And I don't know if I'm the only one. I doubt highly that I am, but taking a closer look at those sequential numbers, especially when you do hit something, and keeping in mind what that number was for that particular blaster on the st on the holographic sticker, you know, something to consider. Anyway, so so break that down real quick. So when you say sequential numbers, folks listening, what exactly are you talking about? So if you take a look at just about any tops blaster, and this is not the case for most Panini products. There's a couple of Panini products that have a holograph sticker that has a serial number, but most products do not. But on tops baseball products. Just about every single one, usually on the back side of the blaster. When I say backside, it's pretty clear what image is supposed to face front on the shelf. And if you flip the box around, yep. there's a holographic little circular silver sticker, not very big, maybe as big as your thumb, that has a, uh, I want to say it's a nine or 10 digit number. Okay. Yep. And typically, you're going to see that the first six numbers or so are the same, or at least close, and then the last three. I mean, it doesn't even matter if all of them are different. What you're trying to do, and at least what I what I am trying to do anytime I buy blasters that have those serial numbers on it, is to look for sequentially numbered stickers, knowing that if I buy 11978 and 11979, that chances are my collation is going to be better than if I just grabbed two random blasters off the shelf because I'm grabbing two that came off of the printing press back to back. <clears throat> so, and, and by the way, that's not only going to help me in terms of having better collation, I think it's likely to help you in terms of actually hitting something when they, when they produce odds and they produce these products. So mm -hmm. if they say one in 49, is going to yield an auto and you know that there are seven packs in one blaster that means one in seven blasters because that would equate to seven times seven is 49 packs to 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 yield an auto in this particular product especially because it was a retail exclusive you had targets that had 20 30 of these on the shelves in one stocking and you would have, you know, 10 to even 15 that were sequentially numbered. 
if you wanted to buy t- seven in a row or, or mm-hmm. increase your odds by buying 10 sequentially numbered blasters in a row, you could. I don't buy that way. I typically never buy more than two blasters at a time. Um, but I would buy those two. And for this product in particular, again, because it was a retail exclusive that had no hobby counterpart to it, I took that even more seriously. And I wrote down the serial numbers so that as I went to different targets looking for that product potentially, I kept that little piece of paper with me. And if I found something in the sequential order, um, also writing down for myself little notations, okay, got an auto in this one. All right, if I got an auto in 11979, well, plus seven or minus seven, there should be an auto again, right? So I I, la- I laughed at you when you told me this months ago, but <laughs> your strategy works. And I mean, you, you've pulled consistent bought, hits I've in bought, every product. I've bought eight blasters, maybe nine. Max 10, like, you know, so it doesn't even matter. You could argue that it's 10, just to round up. My odds are pretty darn good to have four autos out of 10. And these are, for anyone listening, these are blaster boxes. There's no way for me to touch them and figure out that there's an auto inside. So I'm not doing anything other than looking at the sequential numbers. And I was fortunate to hit an auto in one of the first two blasters that I bought. I went back to the same store and I bought the box that was plus seven and the box that was minus seven. And I had another one. You know, I will say this, the Otani orange was totally out of the blue. I went to a store that I typically never go to. I am on the road a lot for work and this is an area that I only go to about once a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's typically one of those targets because it's so off the beaten path that the yep. guy who's supposed to go over there to refill doesn't get there as often as he should. And the staff at this target doesn't ever do their own job. So anyway, the bottom line is it, it's usually not a, a, a good stop, but I'll, I'll, I'll you know at least get like a Starbucks out of it or a snack for the ride home. <laughs> so I grabbed an update blaster in this particular case, by the way. I looked at the numbers. They were not sequentially in any order with the ones that I already bought. But I found a blaster that the last four digits were all eights, eight, 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 eight. You don't see that usually. Mm. I'm weird about numbers, always have been. And it just so happens to be that eight is my number. Eight was the number I wore in in sports quite a bit. And it's it's just my number, whatever. Um... Okay. Eight, and and eight 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 yielded an orange out of twenty five refractor Shohei Otani autograph. There it is, folks. There it is. So think about the jerseys you wore as a kid, <laughs> and look to match those to your blaster boxes, and you are Dude, set. And I- I look for my jersey numbers. I look for my kids' birthdays. I look for my wife's birthday. But obviously, I will say this. Nothing trumps the sequential numbering of those stickers. If I know I've hit something and I've taken a close look at the odds and I do the math and I know, well, then I should hit another something in a blaster that's this number of blasters away from this number. And I'll do, you know, I'll have the, I'll write those down for myself and I'll have them with me. And if I see that number, I'm Brian, I'm grabbing it. 
Okay. Love it. It definitely has worked. There you go. Yeah, no, it's worked. It's worked. And uh, I think it's just another strategy for folks that are just going in there and just randomly picking stuff. Well, instead of randomly picking stuff, look at the sequential numbers and give yourself a better shot. That's all there is to it. So anyway, yeah. I also keep notations for when I get a really bad blaster (laughs) just to know, you know, where that is in in the sequence. There you go. Of course you would. Anyway, all right. So enough of that. Good product. Chrome's good. Update. Regular's good. By the way, we should say very quickly, even the refractors are numbered out of 250, but your chances of getting a refractor are pretty poor. Your chances of opening a blaster or a hanger pack that literally yields nothing is pretty decent. But when you do get something, it is also a pretty eye-opening. Soto autos, David Bode autos, obviously Otani autos, Romero um, the checklist, bottom line, the checklist is pretty good and the coloring is pretty good. There's also X-Factor autos. The only downside to the hits is that as Chrome is typically on card, these are sticker autos and that's a little bit unfortunate, but, uh, still a relatively exciting product. Right on. Agreed. All right. Right let's, on. Let's, let's talk so about football. From, from refractor or Chrome to prism, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think I think we want to talk about pr- prison football is a is a topic that we can spend a long time talking about. It's been a letdown all the way around. Yeah. But I think and we and we can touch on that, but I think the bigger subject we want to start touching on, and this is probably going to be a two-part discussion. Yeah. And that is how, how in the world do we save football cards? Football hobby in general. And we we have lots of stats we can walk through, but if you look at it from more of an emotional standpoint, kind of objectively looking at football cards, the market is just not very solid. Uh, if you want to invest in players, like you're going to lose 95% of the time. Um, and even when you do swing and make it, like there's such a small window within the football card market, like it's just really hard to do well. Um it's just really tough, man. Every every product has been pretty much a, a, a whiff this year outside of a couple. Uh, and I think you could probably say, say the same about last year too. What's going on, Sami? What do we do here? Well, how do we uh, – how do we – Well, I think the first step, I think what we have to clarify because I imagine that there are probably some folks listening saying to themselves, what, what are they talking about? The football market is doing just fine. Um and that may be the case because you only collect football and you're not looking at what the baseball and basketball markets are doing. Um, it may be because you're thinking about it from an emotional point of view because football is your favorite sport um, or you, 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 who knows what. But the bottom line is relative to the rest of the card market, if you will, football is performing the worst. And – what we're addressing here is the fact that it's performing poorly and whether maybe diagnosing why and then also potentially providing a solution or two, if there are any, to turning that around. I would argue that there are a multitude of factors that come to play. Let's break them as down. To why football is the worst performing sport in the sports card market. 
Um, let's break them down. I'll throw one out there immediately, which I think is potentially the biggest, and that is the whole concussion, head injury, uh, CTE um, that has affected the rules of tackling that has then essentially affected how many flags are thrown, what is a good and safe tackle, what is not, the protection of the quarterback to the extent that you would think that they're, you know, surrounded by a, a bubble mm -hmm. that nobody can come close to. Um, I, I just think the game, more than any other sport that we watch and talk about, has had both in terms of necessity and, you know, just the reality of it has changed more than any other sport has changed in such a short period of time. Yep. Agreed. I think a second one, I think that's a big one for sure. I think a second one is the lack of international appeal. They can try all they want about playing games in Mexico City. London. In London. It's it's not luring in international collectors. There's no international players really playing in the league. There's a few, but no, not yeah, enough. Like I said, it's like, it just... Yeah, there are a couple, a couple of Aussie rules punters. Right. <laughs> yeah. And we already know punters and kickers hold zero value, right. even if they're national stars. Um, so, yeah, there's no international appeal. So you got that. So you got concussions. You got no international appeal. Um, you and I both talked about there's there's really the, there's just too many guys on the team. Yeah. I mean, not only too many guys on a team, but – so many positions where they they never have elicited any value in this hobby and probably for the most part never will so you can then you know basically add to that comment that unless you're a quarterback a number one mm -hmm. and then second to quarterback maybe the wide receiver slash running back and then beyond that there's you could probably count on one hand the number of highlight reel monsters on the D line, like a JJ Watt, mm -hmm. that have some value. Yeah. But literally, that's on one hand. Yep. Right. And then um, you add yeah. on top of that the death of the running back slash receiver. So let's let's unpack that a bit because I think it's important to. What does that mean? So to me, that means there's just so few or so many fewer sustainable hobby icons that are, and, and especially the young guns, the rookies coming in, that you can count on to collect for two to three years and expect to see a value increase. So what do you have – I have a couple of thoughts as to why that is. Do you? What are, what are your thoughts as to why? Well, I, I just think that I think that the NFL is one of those sports where you, if you have a couple bad weeks, in in some cases, you can quickly kind of be ostracized from you know, getting getting targets, or hey, next guy up, right? This guy got hurt, so Alfred Blue gets to come in and take some carries, you know, like. That type of thing happens more often than not. And so very quickly, a guy that has momentum can lose it in, in a matter of seconds. Um, there's that, yeah. yeah. I, I think there's also the component of just scheming offensively has taken the game 
And maybe it's also relative to what we talked about in terms of head trauma, you know, that the days of the single back, the single superstar back that ran for 35 snaps is over. And yeah. the vast majority of teams are running back by committee. So any one guy's stats are taking a significant dip. Um, you still have guys like Gurley out there. And he's collectible right now. But anybody that's collecting him outside of a super fan of the Rams and, 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 or, and or of Gurley's in particular, uh, he's got to be thinking when's the other shoe going to drop because then the other part is not necessarily the head trauma CTE thing, but just general breakdown of one's body the lifespan of the running back, even with the running back by committee type of thing, is so much shorter. I mean, how many years did Walter Payton play and produce consistently year after year? How many years did Emmett Smith do it for? Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist anymore for the most part. You've got a couple of warriors. You've got a couple of guys that have been able to take care of themselves out there. But for the most part, when we say the death of the running back, we're talking about a, running back by committee does not allow one guy to rise to the top right. and be the superstar. Yeah, we know it's usually one guy that's the bigger name, but he's not putting up the stats. Therefore, you can't really justify making him huge yep. in the hobby. Um, the injury, the lifespan. Uh, and by the way, in terms of scheme, because we've already talked about scheme and running back by committee, but... It's also a league that has become far more of a passing league. That what it used to we used to call it a West Coast offense and the spread offense. And, right. But the bottom line is it's far more of a downfield passing. The Steelers for my lifetime have been a blue collar, bruising, pound the ball into the ground kind of team. Not anymore. And it hasn't been that way for a bit of time, even mm -hmm. though a lot of Pittsburghers refuse to accept it for a long period of time. I think most do now, but there are other teams that kind of had or had that image of being that bruising pound the ball kind of team. But for the most part, it doesn't really exist anymore because if you do that, you're going to kill that running back and you're not going to have him for the yep. playoffs. Defenses are too big and strong. They hit too hard, even with the change in the rules. Bodies can't sustain that kind of trauma. You know, the guys that were hitting Walter Payton were a fraction of the size of the linebackers and D linemen that are hitting Ezekiel Elliott today. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I totally agree. I think uh, that is definitely playing into it. And it's, it's if as a collector, as somebody who wants to dive into some players, it's just frustrating. Because like that yeah. is the reality of the game. Another thing that comes up to, in my mind is there's just not enough games. There's not enough opportunities for a guy to create momentum and create kind of a traction in the hobby. Um, and that and it's always going to be the case for NFL, just by the nature of the game. Once a week, once every eight days. Whereas you know every other sport, you got games every night and a half. You know on average. Every night. I will say, though, there's a con to – excuse me, there's a pro to that con. And it requires an enormous amount of effort and diligence on your part as a collector slash 
seller, if that's who you are, if that's what you're doing, that while you're watching games on Sunday, as you're seeing a performance that is, you know, a breakthrough type of performance, you got to be Johnny on the spot and get that card listed right then and there. Right. And you have time to actually sell it because he's not playing again until next Sunday. Right. Yeah. Right. So in that case, the upside is only playing once a week forces everybody to focus entirely on that performance and that performance stays in their mind yep. for the next seven days, as you just said. Yeah. So that does give you an opportunity, but man, you've really got to be Johnny on the spot. You've got to have your cards ready to go and list them as those performances are coming you know, through on that given Sunday. Yeah, totally. Last point I'll make, and I, I threw this out to you a couple of days ago, uh, and, and maybe it's just one of those things that we don't really think about, but I think the fact that people of any sport these days, the fact that people can, quote, invest or put money behind a player in something like FanDuel or even just fantasy football, there may be le- there's maybe less interest in investing in the sports card hobby. I think, I think that has to play into it. It plays into it kind of, I don't know, indirectly in my mind. Um, hey, why, 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 would I, why would I go spend money in investing in, in Jared Goff when I can just go through, you know, add in my fantasy team this week and feel good about, you know, his performance impacting my wallet type thing. Right. So I, it's not an experience I've personally had, mm-hmm. um, but I know that you you have admitted to me that it is an experience that you have. So I can't discount the fact that like you had it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. And by the way, I think everything we've said just in the last few moments and the last few, few points that have been shared not only apply to the running back, but essentially apply to the wide receiver as well. Sure. I think there's another factor, though, that has to be thrown out there for the wide receiver. And it's not to say that there aren't running backs that have diva type personalities that collectors may find offensive and off putting, but I think it's become a day and age where the wide receiver is characterized as the diva personality on a football team. And you've got all these guys that seem to, continue to put themselves in headlines from Odell Beckham to even Antonio Brown to, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Who's the cat out of Dallas that doesn't, didn't even sign with Dallas or Cleveland or anybody else that has been just in the headlines year after year. Thank you. Um, Back to the days of guys like Michael Irvin and Terrell Owens. I mean, it's, for some people, maybe not everybody, they want to be able to like the guy that they invested and buy singles of. Um, and I think for a number of years, we've seen the wide receiver just be in negative headlines. Mm-hmm. I think they've hurt themselves in that respect. Yeah. Um, I also think the ball's been spread around so much that aside from an Antonio Brown and maybe three other, four other, five other top receivers. The rest, you know, might have a great game with nine catches, but typically they're looking at three or four. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yep. Yeah. You're, there's this very there's 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 a less number of t- 
total game changers in today's game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so the question then becomes, you know, what is the impact on football cards? Like what, what is the data showing? And you, know, you and I have broken it down a bunch of different ways. And I, and I think, I think you have to kind of ask yourself, okay, what is the, the true medium of measuring the value of cards in football? You can do that pretty simple, simply in some sports like basketball is very easy for rookies, prism silvers. That's where you go. You kind of go that direction for baseball. You can go with Bowman Chrome or their first auto and Bowman or tops or even their Bowman draft. Like those are good ways to measuring the value. Probably argue contenders football is kind of the standard of trade for rookies. I think so. And, and then maybe Panini uh, Prism after that. All we have to, to go with on this season is Prism so far. And Prism has been, like we mentioned earlier, kind of a bust. <laughs> It opened a week of release at 187 a box. It dropped $13 the next week. It dropped another $13 a week after that. It's now below 160 a box. Um, you're seeing quantity sold in terms of sealed wax down almost 20% versus last year, Prism. Wow. Um, it, it, so you, if you compare wax, it's it's kind of staggering, a little disappointing. Then you start looking at silver prices, and, and look, silvers are totally different this year than they were last year. But they're not doing as well as people thought, and they're incredibly hard to hit. And I don't know if Panini did themselves any favors. I wonder if it's time to make that determination. I don't know if we're too early. It could be. We're too early for sure. Probably. Yeah. I, I don't think it's too early to start the conversation though. And to be certain, I think most of you are probably aware, but just to be sure, in the past, there was no real limit seemingly on the number of rookie silvers, uh, rookie silver prisms, which is the base prism. Um, but this year, Panini decided that they would only put one rookie silver prism in each box seemingly an attempt to increase the level of value for that card akin to the kind of values you see in basketball mm -hmm. um i think ty and i argued at the time that we learned of this change that it's an interesting decision to make it's not something that they can recreate in football that they have in basketball if for no other reason than 53 man roster versus a 12 to 15 man roster <laughs> yep. is just not apples to apples by any stretch. Um, the fact that on a basketball team, any one of your rosters, any one, any one of the guys on the roster could have a game defining momentum or impact on the game. Um, whereas, you know, the long snapper can only do so much. The punter and kicker can only do so much. There are guys that are rookies that are just never going to be valuable, and those linemen and late-round D-backs and yada, yada, yada. Again, if it's not one of the three or four different positions, then the rest of those guys – and imagine if you're opening a box and that's the silver you got. I mean, we talked – we had this kind of conversation a couple weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, that's – that. Is the jury out? Mm. It still is. We don't really know. 
We know that on the top end, I think you quoted me a couple of prices or, or closing uh, prices on some Saquons, Darnolds, and Maker Mayfields. Those are the three that should do pretty well, right? By any standard. Correct. Yep. But that's only three guys. Mm-hmm. If you remember, when we analyzed basketball, both for 17, 18, and projecting for this year in 18, 19, we were talking about you know, upwards of 15, close to 20 guys yeah. that should have that higher end significant value. And then the next tier of guys is still, you know, making up what when most of us talk about being collectors and sellers and we're selling on eBay, you know, I don't know how an average number of transactions for an average guy, but it, most of those transactions aren't for hundreds of dollars. You know, you might have a hundred dollar plus sale per week or even a couple per week, but most of your sales are in that 15 to 20, excuse me, five to $20 range, right? Mm-hmm. That's the bulk of what you do. The problem is that, you know, that's not even there. So yeah. didn't, didn't you have some numbers to quote for us? In terms of silver prices? Right. Yeah. So the average silver price first week of release was $18.44. That's the mm-hmm. average. That's obviously factoring in Saquon's and Darnold's. Uh, week after release, it jumped to twenty five ninety, and then the last week they're averaging just under nineteen fifty. Keep in mind, folks, that's with Saquon's, Baker's, and Darnold's going for two fifty to three hundred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, so you, you compare that. <laughs> you compare that to silver basketball, where. You you have a basically a limitless print run like they did last year in football. Right, right. And That's the a, the average at release was was well over forty. The average basically through the season was mid thirties. Not even I mean football's not even close to touching that number. No, and they're limited to ninety nine or less. Right, it's such a different beast. Um, it, but it's so eye opening at the same time. Yep. And you wonder if it was a good decision. And I would argue that not only – that the decision can't be made for value alone. The decision has to also be made for the collectability of a product, totally. for the excitement of a product. Yep. When you only have a couple of autos, and so many of those autos are offensive linemen, D linemen, the late rounder guys that have such little value – and then you're also only going to have one silver prism in there, and that one could end up being also one of those guys. I I personally think it was a bad decision, and that it's primarily why we're seeing prism football struggle this year. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. Yep, I would agree. I mean, it, it does not help that the rookie class has not been that good. But, right. yeah, the, the prism silver I think is – it's backfiring on Panini, and it was not a good decision. Now, you, you may recall – I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm going to say this real quick. You may recall we had a conversation prior to Prism dropping offline where I said to you, this might be the year where the product suffers and a month or two after it releases where it's kind of at, at potentially its lowest point. This might be the year to buy a box and hoard it and stash it somewhere. It, it won't be as difficult to keep sealed because uh, I'm not as excited about the product. 
Um, and in a year or two, you might have one of these quarterbacks like a Lamar Jackson, like a Mason Rudolph, that ends up doing real well. And it actually all of a sudden brings the value of that product way up on the chase. Just like people have chased Cam Newton in the past, just like people will be chasing Patrick Mahomes for years to come. Um, interesting thought. You might end up being able to get a box for close to a hundred bucks. Maybe if it goes real that if it if it if it gets real bad, it might be less. Yeah. Well, people are having a hard time selling their seal wax right now. Prism. I know multiple guys that just can't unload it. So yeah, be patient. If you want to buy wax yeah. and hold it like that, be patient. You're gonna get some really really good deals. With that being said, we're out of time, and I think you and I have some thoughts on on how to respond and maybe some ways to invest in football the right way. But we're going to have yeah. to wait till next episode to bring those in up. In the meantime, folks, if you want to give us some of your thoughts on how to respond to a down football market or a bad prism year, shoot us up on Twitter, send you know, a message over on the forums for breakerculture.com. Let us know what your thoughts are. If it's an interesting thought, we'll share it online. We'll share it on the episode. That's right. We have some good interviews coming up this week too, so I'm excited about that. You'll see it. Uh, you'll see it on social. Talk to you, man. Thanks, Ty. Yeah, see you. Bye. See you soon.